There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 108 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, your host, and it is my absolute pleasure that we have got a cracker of a show for you today. In just a moment, Chris Frame will be joining us. Uh, it wasn't planned that way, but he is able to join us this week. And he'll be bringing uh, some great cruise news with him, as well as answering a listener question from Leighton in South Australia. And then wrapping up the show towards the end, we've got Kabir joining us. You may remember Kabir, the cruise director who joined the show uh, quite some time ago now. Um, he is back. He's just been on a cruise uh, around the Canadian Great Lakes. Um, and he will be bringing a beautiful cruise review and can't wait to share that with you as well. Now, if yourself you have a listener question or you want to join the show and bring a cruise review, you can do so. Simply visit the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com, and click on Join the Show in the top right-hand corner and send through the details, and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Um, But it is quite a long show today, so let's jump straight into it and let's get Chris on the line. Enjoy the show. Be sure to share the podcast on your favourite social media channels. Now, as a nice little surprise, Chris is actually able to join us, but not for necessarily for all the right reasons. Chris, welcome back. How are you, mate? <laughs> getting there, Baz, getting there. It's been, uh, <laughs> been my turn. <laughs> Your turn for the uh, the uh, the dreaded flu, for want of a better word. Um, uh, now, yes, exactly. I, um, I know you had to cancel your family holiday, uh, so you... Uh, or unable to travel, but you did kindly say that um, you were suffering from a bit of cabin fever and you wanted to join the show if possible this weekend, so uh, we uh, got you online and here we are. We're going to catch up on all things cruise news in just a second, but um, you have a list of questions that came to you directly, I believe. Yes, I do. Uh, it is a um, fairly fairly good one, actually, given the, um, the cruise news that we've got today about one of the particular ships that's been asked about. Mm. Um, but Leighton in Adelaide sent a message through asking um, where did Pacific Encounter and Pacific Adventure come from? Uh, presumably they're not new builds. And, mm. um, you know, you and I are both aware that uh, P&O in Australia has actually ne- never had um, a new build. Sure. So they've, they've always relied on um, ships from uh, other parts of their parent company's fleets all the way back to, uh, to the early days, actually. Um, you know, you think back to last week's listener question, actually, about the Pacific, uh, sorry, the Fair Princess. And that yeah. was a, 
uh, a re reorganized ship uh, from Princess Cruises and all the way through uh, PNO Australia's had that sort of that sort of background. So for the Pacific Encounter and the Pacific Adventure, we really need to go back to the nineties um, when Princess Cruises and P&O Princess were independent of Carnival Corporation, um, and they were building up the Princess Cruises mm -hmm. fleet um, in terms of large ships. So they had um, they put into service the four Sun Class cruise ships, um, which mm -hmm. uh, of, of which one is was the Dawn Princess, which is now the Pacific Explorer, um, and mm -hmm. they then looked at the the new generation of passenger ships. And in, in 1996, Carnival broke the mould when they introduced the Carnival Destiny, which was over 100,000 tonnes. It was the first passenger ship in history to be over 100,000 tonnes in, in, um, in tonnage. So Princess was then a rival company. Um, they needed um, new, new ships as well. So they also um, set up our plans to build a fleet of ships over 100,000 tonnes. And that was the grand class of cruise ships. Mm -hmm. um, and the first one was a grand princess. So she was built in Fencantieri um, in 1998. And she had a very unusual sort of exterior profile compared to cruise ships at the time. She has sort of a um, that shopping trolley style stern that mm -hmm. we've spoken about with the big observation deck there. And she had a um, sort of a... a, a boxy sort of mid mid profile and then the bow came down to a very sort of stylized bow with an enclosed promenade at the front of the ship um so it sort of certainly stood out as being a little bit different from from all the other ships out there the second one in the grand class was the golden princess and the golden princess uh, very similar in terms of exterior design but obviously its own interior um she sailed with um, Princess until the pandemic, and it was at that point that she was um, transferred across to P&O in anticipation for what was going to be her introduction, introdu introduction into service during um, what was ended up being the cruise pause. So she was supposed mm -hmm. to be the first one to join P&O Australia, um, and she was renamed Pacific Adventure. Um, the sister ship, Pacific Encounter, she started her career as the third of the grand class ships. Um, and her, her name with princess cruises was star princess. And again, she sailed with, um, with princess all the way through until the, the cruise, um, pause started. Um, it had been announced in 2018 that she would transfer across to, to P and O in Australia, but it was anticipated originally that she would be, um, following, um, Pacific adventure into, into service, yeah. into the fleet. Um, but again, of course, because of the of the uh, of the cruise pause, that they were all laid up, all th all three of the P and O Australia ships. Um, the two new ones were sort of laid up as princess ships, and then during the pandemic were gradually handed over and repainted and given refits, mm -hmm. which leads us to sort of where we are now, where um, we, we'll speak about it in the cruise news, but they're making their way to Australia. And of course, the mm. introduction lineup is a little bit um, in a different order than what it was originally anticipated. Um, so the the ships, are the second and the third in the grand class, um, they, you know, there's quite a lot of ships that were designed on the grand class platform and then also um, variants of it. Um, mm -hmm. They are about 109,000 um, tonnes. So... Uh, 
over 100,000 tons. They're the largest ships that have ever operated for P&O in Australia. Um, they are, whilst having had a second, you know, career, they they are considerably newer than the um, the ships that they replaced, the ones that, oh, that retired yeah. during the pandemics that were, were designed during the late, late 80s and put into service in the early 90s. Uh, and obviously brings P&O to a very different sort of standard with such large large ships um and one little interesting side note baz is that whilst the grand class is re- you know recognizable for the shopping trolley stern handle observation deck thing but perhaps mm-hmm. we can put a picture in the show notes for people who don't know what i'm talking about yeah, yeah um the the grand princess herself actually had that that um removed <laughs> Uh, oh, really? Off the back of the ship in a refit uh, about ten years ago. Yeah, so she doesn't have it anymore, which makes the first one oh. in the fleet looks different to all the others now, and it doesn't have that iconic sort of grand class trademark. So that's I wonder interesting. why they took it off. I wonder what the reasoning was. They did a big refit of her and sort of changed her interior um, layout. And I don't know if you've been on board a grand class ship, Baz. No, I don't think I have actually. But, yeah, I have, and I, I thought it was really interesting. I actually went on on board um, uh, the Golden Princess and. The, mm-hmm. the observation deck at the back, the the big the big lounge, it's it's a really interesting space. But to get there, it's quite sort of away from the rest of the ship. You have to walk up this big ramp, um, ah. and so it definitely has its own sort of style. But it has kind of limitations to the overall flow of the ship, I suppose. So perhaps, ah. perhaps they were trying to try, trying to work something along along those lines. But um, the interesting thing on on um, Golden Princess is that that back um, observation lounge was all themed in Star Trek um, theming. There was pictures of Romulan <laughs> warbirds and Enterprises and stuff. So I'd be curious to see what they've done with it with Piano when when it gets out of its um, out of its refit. Yeah, there's some images actually, and I think it was last week or the week before's um, show notes of um, some of the images. It's it's very nice, very Piano, but very tasteful. Um, and yeah. just a huge expanse of, of glass. So check out but, a future show note if you want to see an image of it. There's also um, a, a, a little bit of um, work that's been written about the refit of the Grand Princess without removal, and um, it seems to also have had something to do with the ship's tendency to to ride quite ba- um, stern heavy in the water. So oh. perhaps perhaps the design on that prototype just wasn't quite as as right. well um, balanced as it was on the on the later ships which is maybe why the other ones have have retained it okay good to know excellent well uh, thanks Leighton for that uh, little question and thank you to Chris once again for always coming up with these incredible answers how you remember all these uh, numbers and dates is beyond me because I certainly don't <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm, sure, uh, let's... I'm sure there are people out there who have picked up on errors <laughs> no, no, not at all. Let's take a, a very quick break, Chris, and then let's get back with uh, some cruise news. And we, of course, will start off with the news around PNL Australia. Back in a moment. Sounds good. Hello, it's me again. Just wanted to thank those of you that have supported us via Buy Me a Coffee. Um, if you're not familiar with that uh, system, it's a little bit like Patreon, where you can support your favorite YouTuber or artist. Um, we use Buy Me A Coffee, which is basically because we love coffee. Um, and in a nutshell, you can donate the cost of a coffee, about four Australian dollars, or multiple coffees if you prefer. Um, and in return, you receive priority access to all of the podcasts. So it doesn't matter where you listen to your podcast. If you support us via Buy Me A Coffee, you will receive an email every week um, just saying the new podcast is live and available. Here's the link or listen to it in your favorite podcast. And uh, it gets to you about 
12 to 24 hours before anybody else gets access to it. So it's a, a great little bonus there. And uh, once again, it's about four Aussie dollars. Um, one coffee, multiple coffees, you decide. But every little donation is greatly appreciated. And just a reminder, you can find the link uh, to Buy Me A Coffee in the show notes, on the website, and uh, also via the Buy Me A Coffee app. Thanks in advance. Okay, Chris, let's start off with the, the latest news around P&O Australia. Of course, their next ship is heading to Australia. Where has she left from, Chris? So it's Pacific Encounter, and she's sailing from Singapore on her way here to Australia. Exciting. <laughs> yes. The second one now to, to enter Australian cruise um, service for P&O Australia since the pandemic. Brilliant. And of course, she's uh, making her way towards Sydney, which actually won't be a uh, home port, so, but she's mm. uh, heading down there, I'm guessing, for provisioning and uh, final inspections and checks before she, she resumes her full sailing. After visiting Sydney briefly on the 2nd of August, she'll then make her way up to Brisbane, where she will set sail on the 20th of August for her first cruise, which will be a seven-night barrier reef discovery. And I'm uh, sure there'll be uh, lots of excitement around her commencing cruising out of Brisbane and the beautiful new terminal they've got up there for her. Yeah, and to have such a large ship dedicated to the to the Brisbane market is also, um, you know, a great step forward for Queensland. Um, and I think once Pacific Adventure um, arrives, she'll be based in Sydney and Explorer is going to do cruises out of various ports. So there'll be a yeah. bit of a piano presence all over the place, which is yeah, um, nice. exciting. It is very, very much so. And also exciting for Silver Sea this week because uh, Royal Caribbean Group, which is, of course, the parent for Silver Sea, confirmed that they had, in fact, purchased Crystal Endeavor. What are they doing, Chris? Yeah. Um, so they're going to rename the ship um, Silver Endeavor, and it's going to sail under the Silver Sea's cruise brand, which is really exciting. Um, and it's great news for people who, who enjoyed that ship with Crystal um, to see it get a get a new life because there's been such a big question mark I think over over this um, uh, situation with the with the collapse of the parent company. Yeah, no, it is, and I did actually know this, but apparently, as Crystal Endeavour, she was the most expensive passenger ship built per berth, one point nine million dollars per berth. Incredible. Goodness, and they bought her <laughs> for um, two hundred seventy five million dollars. So, yeah, yeah, much less than the three hundred eighty five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Much, big saving. So, uh, so well done, Silver Sea. I'm sure she'll do incredibly well. Um, I believe she's going to be heading down to Antarctica, carrying uh, 132 guests uh, when she, she joins with Silver Sea. Um, also, some great news with the Costa Group this week, and certainly around the Aida brand, which is the brand for the, the German-speaking guests. What's happening with them, Chris? They're going to be starting to use biofuels, um, Baz. So it's part of mm. their CO2 emissions reduction efforts. And from uh, 21st of July this year, um, well, it's just passed, actually, when we record this, um, AIDA Primer will become the first large-scale ship to be bunkered um, with a special blend of uh, marine biofuel. Uh, And it comes from 100% sustainable sources. Yeah, I'm just looking... uh... Waste cooking oil, marine grass oil, um, and uh, other various ingredients. And uh, after these tests, they're hoping that they can scale up and uh, be able to provide this fuel for, for the wider cruise industry. So great little steps there. Well done, Costa and uh, Aida. It's interesting how they've got the the, the Costa and Aida um, brands, uh, I guess, amalgamated now under that um, ownership structure, a little bit like Carnival UK looks after um, various yeah. British cruise brands. So. You know, it's, yeah. it's interesting how, how Carnival has a big 
organization um, arranges its its different subfleets to ensure for those efficiencies. Um, also staying with the Carnival family and once again in Europe, but talking all things Texas, what's happening with uh, Carnival Jubilee? Well, she's their, their latest um, new build. Um, she's going to be the third ship in the fleet to be powered by um, LNG. And uh, she's uh, just had her, her um, keel laying ceremony in, in Germany where she's being built, but it's uh, Texas themed because that's where the ship's going to end up sailing, Baz. So um, <laughs> there were cowboy hats and um, uh, Texas style boots to be seen across the shipyard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of uh, very few ships that's not been built by Fincantieri for the Carnival Corporation, which is uh, a little unusual there. Of course, uh, Carnival Jubilee will be heading over to Galveston in November 2023, where she'll be offering Western Caribbean cruises uh, to Cozumel, Costa Maya, Mahogany Bay, and more. So, uh, well yeah. done, Carnival. It's interesting, actually, because Car- um, Carnival as a cruise line has had quite a long history of um, having their ships built um in in a variety of different yards in fact the the fantasy class were were well known for their finnish origins um and now oh. they've got these ships being built in germany um and, and they've also got um you know spirit and vista class and hybrid vista spirit designs which um which uh, originate from fincantieri so they they the carnival cruises brand seems to spread it around quite a bit Oh, I didn't know that. There you go. I thought our show sponsor, Fincantieri, was responsible for the charity. There you go. Sponsor, not <laughs> sponsored. <laughs> if they'd like to, though, Baz, how, how do people get in touch to sponsor the show? <laughs> oh, just jump on the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, some uh, more news this week out of Virgin, and we're starting to hear more and more of this from the, the various cruise lines. But, of course, the CDC did... Um, reconsider the restrictions around cruise and the requirements for cruising. Uh, what are Virgin, Virgin saying about this? Yes, yeah, so Virgin Voyages is going to be removing the requirements for pre-embarkation testing um, following the uh, CDC's decision to end the voluntary COVID-19 um, testing program for cruise ships. Um, and so that will take effect on the 20, well, today when we're recording this, on 24th in Europe. Yeah. Um, and on the 27th of July in the US. So uh, I guess that will reduce the, um, the time needed before and, um, and uh, during the embarkation process as well for all that testing that was, that was needed before this uh, change took mm. place. Yeah. So vaccine requirements are still in place and will be so for the foreseeable future. But as and when things change, we'll of course let you know. But no longer required to get your PCR or your uh, rapid flow test done before cruising, which is great news. Um, Holland America, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, actually, um, were planning their 150th anniversary. And there's some extra information that's come out around this. Um, I believe the anniversary is actually in April of next year. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, that's right, Baz. So it's, um, it's in April of next, uh, next year. Um, of course, the, the company has that, that long and illustrious heritage. Um, the, the crossing itself, um, to commemorate this will depart on, um, uh, the 4th of April, but the actual anniversary is on the 18th of April. And then they've actually added a second departure in October, which will be in the reverse, I believe. Yeah, some of those little touches taking place include a New York City anniversary event where they'll be staying overnight uh, on board, which is uh, mm. unusual for, for ships. That's a great little touch. It's like a really nice throwback, a really nice throwback to the old ocean liner experiences because quite often the, ship, often the ships would, 
arrive you know they were making the crossing at best speed so they might arrive in in the in the evening and the passengers yep. in first class particularly got overnight on the ship until and the next morning before disembarkation if they wished so it's wow. uh it's a really nice little, little sort of nod to that um historic kind of connection with those transatlantic crossings yeah one of the little touches in rotterdam which of course was uh, the home of holland america for many many years um, we've spoken about the original offices, which are now the, the Hotel New York, of course. Um, but, of course, when she arrives uh, in on the 18th of April, on the actual anniversary day, there'll be all sorts of celebrations taking mm-hmm. place uh, around the, the port city. And uh, lots of different things taking place on board to celebrate the, the 150th anniversary as well. So it'll be a great opportunity, if you're able to do so, uh, to yep. join those cruises. The 4th of April, 2023, or the 15th of October in this year, has a little bit of space also available as well. It's interesting they've also highlighted the fact that there's going to be a whole heap of um, limited edition 150th anniversary um, memorabilia pieces available. And, you know, it's funny because you, you go into shops and stuff on ships now and there's all these like events that, that are happening and logo shirts and all that sort of thing. But then you look back to 150th anniversary of, of Cunard, for example, in the 90s, and the memorabilia from that experience is now considered pieces of history. So collectors and, uh-huh. and people who are cruise buffs do find that very important to have the ability to to, to take away something that can then be st- saved and stored and then potentially um, presented to a museum sometime in the future mm, maybe we should get some for the chris frame archives <laughs> well the chris frame archives are, um, are limited in terms of space but i have actually um i had large collections of um of, of things from from the 80s and 90s that i recently donated to the Sea City Museum in Southampton because they archive oh, okay. um, archive it all properly with professional archivists. And um, it was ah. just, uh, you know, when I had two or three copies of things, I thought, well, why not let them have a copy for, for future generations to see? Brilliant. Well done. Love it. Talking of... Um important events we we spoke uh, probably about this time last year when uh, Pernant actually uh, took the uh, commandant Charcot up to the true geographic north pole mm. this time they've done it with guests on board chris they have yes and it was um well obviously it was a first for them with um with passengers um it took place on the on the 14th of july so just just over a week ago um, and it uh, coincided uh, coincidentally with Bastille Day, so um, uh-huh. plenty of celebrations Brilliant. to be had. And she's, of course, um, their first electric um, hybrid LNG-powered um, polar explora- exploration ship. So not only has she got the, the polar-style hull, but with that power plant, um, she has a, a lower carbon footprint than, than many of the other ships attempting those kinds of passages. Yeah, no, she's an incredible ship. Uh, the last little bit of news we've got, Chris, is some great news for, once again, the team at Costable, in particular for Captain Pietro Cinci. What's he been up to? Well, he has been uh, awarded the Navy Bronze Medal of Merit in a special ceremony that was held on the occasion of the 157th anniversary of the establishment of the Harbour Masters Corps, which occurred um, on the 20th of July, all the way back in 1865. And uh, apparently this medal was awarded to him for, for his efforts in helping to, to rescue um, some distressed uh, crews and officers on a, mm. a Turkish vessel um, back in November of 2018. So Yeah, uh, he was in command of the Costa Luminosa during that particular rescue. Oh, wow. There we go. And of course, Luminosa will be coming to Australia as Carnival Luminosa in the not-too-distant future. So there we go. We've got connections everywhere. Famous <laughs> ship and a famous captain, and he's been awarded... And- we're going to get to see the ship, so that's exciting. 
Brilliant. Well done, uh, Captain, and to the team at Costa for that. That's all we've got in cruise news this week, Chris. Has anything been uh, happening in uh, your part of the world? Well, you know, one of the things that uh, you have when you're in isolation is an awful lot of time. So I've spent it um, updating my Cunard website, actually, um, ah. and have a new section about Queen Anne, the new ship. So um, that's at chriscunard.com. And uh, no no new video this week, but um, uh, some new information with some of the wonderful pictures that Cunard has provided of the uh, of the launch of the ship and also the um, the new interior. So hopefully that will be of interest to any of uh, the Cunard fans out there. Brilliant. I know one fan that will definitely be looking up that. Uh, I just had a little chat and a cruise review with a gentleman by the name of Chris as well. And uh, your talks of Cunard and in particular the transatlantic crossings have inspired him to consider a transatlantic crossing for his, uh, his future cruise, his future birthday celebrations. So he said to, oh, to pass on his thanks. <laughs> well, I think that's an excellent decision. And, um, you know, my, my personal uh, love of, of the Cunard history aside, the transatlantic crossing was, in my opinion, unlike anything I had done before. It's not, it's not a cruise. It is, uh, it was a, a transportation experience, I think is the best way to put it. The, sh the ship took on an ambience and an, ex an experience that was very different to the usual cruising experience so um everybody who who is interested in it should try to get on board at some point during their lives i think yes it's definitely something that everybody should consider definitely something for the bucket list and uh, i hope chris does book that and enjoy it for his uh, milestone birthday celebration uh, but uh, that's all we've got time for this week chris take care head over to facebook now and hit the like button and next up we're welcoming back a very good friend of the show it has been a little while but uh, our former Cruise director and currently weather presenter on Canadian TV, Kabir. Welcome back to the show, mate. Thank you so much, Baz. Great to be here. Oh, no, no. Super excited and even more excited to talk about what you've been up to. It has been a little while since we last spoke. Of course, we talked about your career at sea and uh, really enjoyed listening to, to your podcast. But today, uh, we're here to talk about your most recent cruise experience, which anybody who knows you probably wouldn't have probably picked this product uh, because I believe you become a Viking explorer, mate. I absolutely have. Yeah, I got the opportunity to sail on board Viking Octantis. And I'm not sure if down under um, our listeners know what that ship is because it's so far removed. It's such a unique ship that Viking has come out with. It is an expedition ship slash cruise mm. vessel. They don't like calling it a cruise ship. They like calling it an expedition ship because she is. Um, yep. But what a ship, Baz. You, you have to try this ship out at some point. Yeah, no, we have talked about it a little bit on the podcast, just as she was being built and launched, et cetera, et cetera. Um, she's got some super cool tools to play with, which we'll, we'll probably talk about a little later in the show. But um, but what was the reason? What made you think about doing this particular cruise? You know what? It was that I had been tracking the ship since 2018 or 19 when the announcement had oh, went yeah. out that they were going to take a ship onto the Great Lakes. And I know, you know, there was this whole thing about Antarctica too. I was like, Antarctica's cool, but the Great Lakes, I live there. So... Mm -hmm. That got me quite excited, and so I tracked the ship, and I was in touch with Viking a few times, and I had just said I wanted to visit it when she came to Toronto. Well, yeah. they ended up just inviting me to come and sail with them uh, and report on it. Uh, so for Brilliant. the Weather Network, which is what I, whom I work with, um, yep. got some great content about weather balloons and the science on board the ship, which I'm sure we're going to cover. And also, I produced a gorgeous new video about the ship as well, um, which I think showcases it 
very honestly and it does the talking for itself it's just gorgeous brilliant well we'll definitely have the link to that uh, that youtube uh, episode in the, the show notes we'll uh, definitely be including that one um now the ship was a sorry the cruise was a seven night voyage how close to home are we talking is it a short drive to get to where the ship was departing from or so i wish it was i couldn't get onto a toronto sailing i ended up uh, being asked to join in Milwaukee, which was the beginning of a seven-day voyage ending in Thunder Bay, with ports mostly in Canada. There was only one American port. That was Mackinac Island, Michigan. Uh, and then all the ports following that were uh, Canadian, which was cool because, I mean, how often do we get to cruise around Canada? We've only got the coasts. We rarely get to see the middle. Mm. Yeah, no, and there's not that many ships that get to this particular part of the world, is there, obviously? Um, so for people that are probably down here that can't picture where the Great Lakes, where where are we, if we kind of visualize right. Canada? Right, so the, the Great Lakes are kind of in the center right. So uh, Ontario is... Uh, well, basically, Ontario is the only province where the Great Lakes kind of kind of touch. And then you've got the United States. So you've got uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan... New York State, I think, for parts of it as well. Um, and there are five lakes, basically. Uh, you can see them on a map. If you, if anybody wants to just search a map of Canada, you will see the Great Lakes kind of nestled toward the southern part there on the mm-hmm. border with the United States. Perfect. Love it. And um, when you get to, to see the ship for the first time and, and walk up to it what, what was the feeling was it because obviously you've you've previously cruised on much bigger ships did it still have that wow impact so interestingly i actually saw the ship in april when it first arrived here um ah. i went down to the port to see her in toronto which was a, a magnificent sight did it have the wow yes it absolutely did number one because it's a very striking ship. Um, Anybody that has seen images of Celebrity Edge will recognize the ship's profile in some ways. She has that straight uh, forward hull, very sleek looking, but she almost looks mini. It's like, you know, when you have the iPhone 13 Pro Max, then you look at the iPhone 13 mini, you're like, oh, that's that's a smaller (laughs) version of itself. That's exactly what the ship looked like. And you can just see the, the attention to detail and the luxury right from her exterior design. It's very, very apparent. Brilliant. Well, let's get to walking up that gangway and, and walking in and getting your, your visual impressions for the first time. Did, did it still blow your mind as you, you walked on? Yes, it did. Because I have, I've been waiting for this moment for years uh, to step <laughs> on board a ship that's sailing the Great Lakes. And the gangway, first of all, I love, I love ships, even airplanes that carry their own stairs. I think there's something about it being self-sufficient that I really love. So this ship carries her own gangway. And so we yep. walked up and uh, you entered into, I guess, partially what is kind of an atrium uh, right near guest services. And it's on the same level with all of the restaurants. And the ship was just gorgeous. It's It smelled great. I have this thing for places that smell good. She smelled amazing uh, and was unbelievably clean. Viking were so incredibly attentive the whole cruise. And that started from the moment I stepped onto the gangway. They knew my name. They took me to my cabin. Personally, within two minutes, the cabin steward was already there talking to me, giving me a whole, he gave me a 15 minute long tour of my cabin. <laughs> when does that ever happen? And it, not to say it was a massive cabin with multiple rooms. It wasn't. It was a Nordic penthouse, a little bit bigger than a balcony. And there were just so many nooks and crannies and features in this room. It was unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> Love it. And of course, uh, at the time that you sailed, the ship was probably less than six months old. So I'm guessing it still had that new ship smell as well, which is always a very, very nice welcome. 
Absolutely. She smelled very clean, very new. And it was kind of nice um, to see the ship in her glory. But I'll be honest with you, Baz, whether you cruise this vessel one year from now or 10 years from now, it's one of those ships that's maintained in such a way so impeccably. I don't yep. think she's going to age badly at all. I think her design is so iconic on the inside. Uh, very Nordic, very minimal. And those types of interiors don't age necessarily yep. you could say that this you could take a picture of a, a an area of the ship and say it was from 1977 or it was from today and it looks incredibly yep. modern because of that now of course uh, here in australia we're still kind of recovering from covid but up and elsewhere in the world things have kind of carried on was there any covid kind of restrictions or extra uh, things that you needed to extra steps that you need to take uh, prior to getting on the ship this was the very first sailing that Viking had done where there was no more masks for passengers, um, oh, which in many ways I was very fond of. I appreciated that. Um, the crew were still masked. You still did, had to be uh, vaccinated when you, to get on board. So you mm -hmm. still had to show your vaccine, upload everything through Verify uh, well in advance. And, and your personal vacation planner is in touch with you about that. You're, you have a representative from Viking that reaches out to you and helps coordinate all these things. They're very attentive in that way. Oh, wow. Brilliant. And um, is lifeboat drill still a thing on a, an expedition f uh, ship, or is it done a little bit differently nowadays? Ooh, great question. It is done differently. So when you walk into your room, first of all, the television. This is the nicest television I've ever seen in any sort of uh, <laughs> out-of-home accommodation. It was an OLED television, a 55-inch OLED. Gorgeous. So the wow. second you turn it on, the emergency video plays and you can't do anything else. You have to watch the video in order to use the TV the first time. That's it. Okay, so yep. that's how they did it. Uh, they did make the announcement and sound the general emergency signal. And you didn't have to be anywhere specific for that. Um, the only thing you did have to do is by a certain time, you had to go and check in at your muster station. So mine was in uh, the living room, which was on uh, just behind the World Cafe uh, or rather okay. just in front of the world cafe. So you just have to go there, show, you know, where it is. And I kind of always thought, you know, the last few cruises I've taken, why didn't we do this sooner? You know, where your <laughs> exactly. station is. you check in and then you leave and that's it. Why did we all sit there for so long? <laughs> I pay, I, I feel like I pay more attention because I'm not in distress. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. If there's one thing that we've benefited from from, from COVID, it's definitely the, the improvements in the uh, mustard drill, definitely, without a doubt. Now, let's, yeah, uh, let's head back to your cabin. Let's uh, let's hear some of the, the features that uh, your, your butler kindly shows you, so your cabin steward showed you. Yes. So when you walk into the cabin, first of all, it's a gorgeous room. Uh, for And this ship, I, I did speak to one of their uh, senior vice presidents, and... I asked why Viking Octantis has very, 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 very few dedicated balconies. I think there are six on the ship. And he mm. said, well, because the ship is, is a cold weather ship, you'd be wasting very valuable real estate given the ship's limited size as it stands. And I really yeah. respected that. So they have something called the Nordic Balcony, very similar to what we've seen on Vikings uh, Longships or on Celebrity Edge, Apex, mm -hmm. um, and beyond with the window that opens. And yep. personally... I love this feature. I thought it was great because I use the balcony, but I just prefer having that extra space to use and sit in. So mm -hmm. you walk into the room, you've got a very generous sized bathroom that's bigger than the bathroom in my condo, heated mm -hmm. floors in that bathroom, 
uh, lots of storage space. As you walk in, you've got a huge king size bed. It, the width of the room makes it feel like it's actually just a hotel room. And then if you oh, keep wow. going, you end up on the Nordic balcony with quite a large seating area with uh, an L-shaped couch. And there's a desk in there as well. And it, it just feels very open, very airy. Lots of storage, lots and lots and lots of storage. You could be on the ship for a month and move in and have enough storage. Oh, brilliant. Sounds sounds very impressive. And of course, one question that people always appreciate, and I do know the answer to this, but we will ask it anyway. Was there the dreaded shower curtain or was there those beautiful grass, glass shower screens? This is Viking, Baz. There is absolutely no shower curtain. No, 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 no. I knew, uh, it I was, knew. <laughs> it's um, a, a big, it's a glass shower. And for those of you listening, in, in the next couple of days, I'm actually going to be posting a detailed cabin review. So I did go around all of these features visually so you can see what I'm talking about as well. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Like it. And of course, to any cruiser, dining is always particularly important. I know that Viking is well regarded when it comes to its cuisine. But what did you think about the dining, mate? Now, this is an interesting part uh, of the ship that I was a little bit surprised with. The food was always good. The food was always, I would even say, great in the World Cafe, which is uh, the main buffet restaurant up on the top deck. Gorgeous Mm -hmm. layout of the restaurant. Lots of variety. They have a sushi bar. Uh, that you could just pick up sushi and just eat every night yeah. to your heart's content. Lobster tail every night. Um, really gorgeous food up there. When I went to the restaurant, I found the menu to be limited for vegetarians, and they needed a lot of advance notice uh, in order oh, to prepare okay. things for you. Manfredi's, the Italian restaurant, that menu didn't change. So it was the same for seven days. And there's only three, maybe four restaurants you could consider on board. So Momsen's, which is mostly a lunchtime, kind of tea time, snacky kind of place. You can get breakfast there too. Mm-hmm. Then you had the restaurant, which is the main restaurant, fittingly named. And then you had Manfredi's mm-hmm. and then you also had the World Cafe. So it was just interesting that in that in that restaurant, the menu didn't change. So I did ask the head chef why that was. And he said that based on the size of the ship, it's too hard to change the menu because the galley is just too small on that ship to oh, accommodate okay. that in addition to all the other dining venues, they said it is something they're working on and likely will be changing down the line as they adapt their protocols. You have to remember, she's in her infancy, Viking Octanus, and these are the little quirks you're going to have on any sort of new build and first in class. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, exactly. And with those restaurants, are they all included in the cruise fare? Any of them an additional charge? Absolutely all included in the cruise fare. My bill at the end of this cruise was $3, and that was because um, I purchased a little <laughs> uh, a little thing, knick-knack from the gift shop. So all of them are included. And the, this is the other interesting thing, Bass. The beverage package on Viking is very, very reasonable. It's not one of these $89 a day type of thing. Absolutely not. You're looking at an extra like $140 for the seven-day cruise. Oh, wow. Brilliant. Because, of course, beer and wine is included with lunch and dinner, I think, isn't it? And outside of that, you can take the beverage package to extend that? Yeah, it is. And to be honest with you, they're they're pretty good about that. Um, If I were anybody booking a Viking cruise, I would just inquire as to how much the beverage package is. And I think you'd be pleasantly surprised, especially given the amount that you've already paid in in a very hefty cruise fare. Um, They're not trying to, to do that with you. And uh, Torsten Hagen, I had the opportunity to meet him, the chairman of Viking. And... um, Mm -hmm. He was kind of the brainchild of, of the whole the whole thing. They don't like upselling you. They're not going to pressure sell you. And they are not 
there to make a quick buck. That's just not what they're about. And with only 378 guests on board, I'm guessing the atmosphere is very uh, casual, but also very relaxed, lots of space to find that little space of your own on board. Very open, very airy, and you find that that's a trend throughout the ship. So the one sea day we had when we were transitioning through the Sioux Locks, which is in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, it's the gateway Mm -hmm. between Lake Huron and Lake Superior. There's a 21-foot difference there. So that entire day, it was an observation day going through the the locks, and then you have the day at sea. It Mm -hmm. felt no different than any day when the ship was in port. Um, It just never felt overrun, never, never busy at all. (laughs) <laughs> and do you have a favorite space on board? Yes, the Explorer's Lounge uh, on deck four and five forward. It's a two-story lounge they've managed to fit into this ship. Don't know how they did that. I honestly <laughs> have no idea how they managed to make the ship feel as open, airy, and large as it was. But really, it was it was a small ship. I cruised on Freedom of the Seas last. And I will yep. tell you, this ship didn't feel small compared to freedom of the seas and you could fit the ship inside of freedom of the seas five (laughs) times over if you wanted to um so the explorer lounge was my favorite place my favorite venue another space that i feel like ties with the explorer lounge for me was the hide and the hide is on deck one forward you'd only find crew cabins on deck one except for the hide so it's a very exclusive spot not the easiest to find and i think they did that on purpose so it was our own <laughs> private bar for the first two nights of the cruise. Nobody else could oh, wow. find it. And when you walk in, it's almost it's almost like the ship's basement. That's the kind of vibe you have. And there are these windows, huge windows angled down. So you're very close oh. to the waterline. Imagine if you're in the polar regions, you're seeing icebergs and, and everything from mm. such a different perspective. It was an incredibly designed venue. Wow. Um, yeah, I want to see it for myself now. You've really sold it to me. Brilliant. Um, and of course, there's other little bells and whistles and special little tools that are featured on this ship. Let's talk a little bit about the hangar and some of the, the extra toys that are available in there. Yeah, so the hangar is where the expedition experience meets the cruise experience. So it's on the aft end of the vessel, um, on the lower part. And what you'll find about that area is it is a technical space. It feels like a technical space. It looks like a technical Mm -hmm. space because it is. So it can hold two special operation uh, boats. They call them SOBs on board, which, um, I mean, the rest of the world finds that quite funny, um, (laughs) including myself. So they fit two of those in there in addition to about 25 Zodiacs, two submarines as well. Uh, And the science lab is kind of in there as well, overlooking it. This is where you are going to go in order to board the SOBs. They actually board them and depart straight from the hangar. They're lifted and kind of rolled into the ship from that aft end in the hangar. And the submarines are hoisted into the water from there as well. So it's almost like um, for any of you that's watched uh, that have watched below deck, you know, when the captain Mm -hmm. always says, Oh, put all the toys in the water. That's kind of what this is on a much bigger scale. The ship arrives wow. into, and, and this ship, unlike other cruise ships, thrives on tender ports so that it can uh-huh. open up its its doors and put all this equipment out. It can't necessarily do it the same way when the ship's in port. Yeah, fair enough. That makes sense. And I believe the submarines have got names. I don't know if they, they, anybody told you the, the reasons behind those names at all. Yep, absolutely. They have names. They're named after the four Beatles. So I took uh, took a dive on John, and we the other one ah. was uh, named Paul. 
Right, okay. Yeah, I, did, I, did, I knew the names. I just wasn't sure what, where they, they originated from. <laughs> so I'm oh, guessing yeah. Torsten oh, no. was a big fan of the Beatles, was he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. In fact, when Viking Polaris, her sister, comes out, uh, the two submarines on there will be named George and Ringo. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> now, you touched on the, the lab there, um, and I know you did some uh, particular special activities as part of your, your other role. Um, what happens in the lab and what other kind of things are happening around the ship, around the, the science of the regions that you're traveling in? So Viking is a very enrichment-heavy cruise line. We know that. And mm-hmm. this ship is different because it is centered around that. And it's it's got venues on the ship that are dedicated to that. So the Science Lab partners with a number of different organizations, uh, Cambridge University, NEVA, the Norwegian uh, Norwegian Institute for Water Research, uh, the National Weather Service. So all these partners have kind of come together and on board there is a chief scientist. They are constantly looking at microplastics in the water that they sail to. They're also doing other experiments that help better the ports that they visit. So they're very eco-conscious on the ship. In addition to that, they complement it by trying to, for example, map out parts of Antarctica or parts of the Great Lakes that have never been visited before. Much of the Great Lakes have not been visited by submarines. So Mm. it's interesting when you go down on a sub, they are taking video and mapping where things are and they're transmitting that data over to the relevant parties to help assist with that. Um, The microplastic system is constantly analyzing the water. It Actually, I learned a statistic. In every square mile of Great Lakes water, there are approximately 112,000 specimens of microplastics. And they found that even in Antarctica, they were finding microplastics. So yeah, NEVA is uh, where the data goes from that the ship uh, analyzes and they get the guests involved by learning how to identify microplastics. Uh, So the chief scientist will go over, this is the characteristics, these are some samples we've collected. And it's not fake. They're actually looking at that they're actually integrating you into their research and that's the whole thing about the ship nothing is a gimmick it's not um it's not a theme park it's not fake it's real you are on an expedition you are assisting with that um research it's pretty it, it that was the part of the product that i really resonated with and i respected because it's not fake Wow. So are these scientists, are they uh, a contractor to Viking or are they from the universities and the research institutes directly? It's a hybrid. Um, I believe um, Dr. Daniel Moore, who is the chief scientist uh, of this ship, he's also partnered with Cambridge University and he's a marine biologist. Uh, Dr. Damon Stanwell-Smith, he is the their head of um oh goodness something rather he's their head uh of basically the science part of the ship and he was on board with us oh wow so yeah so there's a lot of um there's a huge focus on that and what they actually said was a lot of science labs on land their biggest issue is funding And that was something that Viking recognized and wanted to implement on their ship because the ship itself is funding the science operation and it's uninterrupted. It's not something Mm. that's going to stop at any point. It's actually a focal point of the ship. It's built into the ship permanently. Um, And and that was was a, a huge focus of the media portion of the voyage was they made that really, really big. And another thing I wanted to touch on was the weather balloon launch as well, which was impressive. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Yeah. So what, what happens with that? Is that a normal activity or is that something that was done because of your relationship with uh, hosting weather, the Weather Channel? 
So that was a normal activity. Now, they're aiming to try and do it every other day. However, on certain voyages, it doesn't make sense just because of the proximity that they're covering. Uh, Sometimes it's not needed. Sometimes it is. In this case, uh, it wasn't needed as much, but we did it in Fraser Bay, which is the northern part of uh, Lake Huron uh, in Ontario. Mm -hmm. So we did do the weather weather uh, weather balloon launch rather there. And what was interesting about that is that because the ship goes to such remote areas the rest of the year, especially Antarctica, polar regions mm-hmm. in future, who knows where that's going to expand to, mm-hmm. that research and that information is extremely valuable. It's packaged up, sent to the National Weather Service of the United States, and guests can actually see that uh, the, the data from that balloon live in Expedition Central on the ship. And this was the oh, highest launch that ever recorded. It was over 30 kilometers into the atmosphere. 100,000 feet is how high this balloon wow. went. Wow. <laughs> Impressive. And any other little uh, additional activities that you did on board? This was a very relaxing cruise for me, Baz. I, I got a massage from the spa. I'd like to shout out, actually, the spa uh, because... Mm-hmm. And this was something I was just writing about in my blog. You know, when you expect a cruise ship spa, there's there's a lot of fees. You go in, you want to yeah. use the Persian garden. You want to use uh, the change rooms, the steam rooms, the this, the that. You have to pay, right? Mm-hmm. That is not how this spa functions. It's a full-fledged spa. There's no uh, sort of, uh, oh, the ship is too small to accommodate X, Y, Z. That is not the case. This is the most well-equipped spa I've ever seen. And... Mm-hmm. You don't have to pay anything extra for anything. You walk in, you can use the thermal suite. You can use the outdoor hot tub, the heated beds. There's a snow grotto. There's actual snow that the ship produces, and you can go in there and cool <laughs> off. There's a bucket <laughs> shower and all of that. Um, and there's also a, a terrace at the back. It's called the Aquavit Terrace with three different um, types of pools. And those pools are different temperatures, very cold, medium, and hot. So mm-hmm. there's a, a large focus that's built into the ship for health and wellness. And the other thing is this ship has lots of lots of windows, lots of great observation areas as well. Uh, and I just felt that, in my opinion, this is one of the well, most incredibly designed ships given the small space, not the easiest to navigate and find your way around. I did have trouble with it right up until the last day. But <laughs> once you got to learn it on a longer cruise, uh, I think it works out. And I recognize that the ship is only a certain size and you have to cram things in. So um, you know, if it's a little harder to navigate, but it still hits all the bells and whistles, then it doesn't matter, does it? No, no, exactly. <laughs> I love the, uh, the the nod there to the Norwegian uh, wellness with the, the, the snow grotto and the, the different uh, pools, etc. Um, how about entertainment? Obviously, you mentioned that uh, it's very centered around enrichment and, and learning, but uh, is there an entertainment schedule as well for a bit of more lighthearted uh, fun? Mm-hmm. Is there entertainment scheduled? Um, the short answer is yes, there kind of is, but it's not going to be your regular trivia or anything like that. Yeah. There is an entertainment manager and uh, think of it as kind of one step down from a cruise director. Personally, I thought this was an area and this is feedback I gave to Viking. I think this was an area that they could have improved upon. You needed a better guide to someone kind of telling you what to do. And that's what the cruise director position usually does. Hey guys, we're doing X, Y, Z here be here at this time. Yeah. We're arriving tomorrow into port at this time. That is what I felt was missing. Um, so okay. there is very lightly scheduled entertainment. The aula is the ship's quote unquote theater. It sticks out at the back of the ship above the uh, hangar. So if you see pictures of the ship, there's kind of this black two-story glass area at the back. That's the aula. Small okay. stage. Uh, the entertainment manager did perform for us. Um, 
but yeah, this is something that I think they needed to work on. They have an expedition leader that kind of takes the cruise director position away. And the expedition yeah. leader is a four stripe officer. So they're leading the shore excursions part of the ship. Um, right. And I think, yeah, I think having a little bit more of a prominent figure that is customer facing would be a lot more beneficial. And hopefully that's something that, that they take on board. I'm sure they will. Um, now let's talk about the destinations you visited. Um, now I am not familiar with this part of the world, so I'm going to hand the reins completely to you, mate. Um, either mm-hmm. tell us each of the places that you visited or the, the three highlights that you want to talk about and just what you did whilst you were there, I guess. Absolutely. So you know what? I am going to go ahead and um, I'm just going to pull up a document here because it tells me uh, what's what where I was and what we did. Uh, and I'm going to try <laughs> it off from memory first. So we started off in Milwaukee and then the next day we were in uh, Mackinac Island, Michigan. This is a port where there's no cars on the island, only bicycles. You can get a speeding ticket if you go over 20 miles an hour because that's, <laughs> that's speeding there. The, yeah, the only two... Um, Cars on the island are the ambulance and the fire truck. <laughs> That's it. So really great spot. Uh, in fact, they're famous for their fudge. When I got back on board the ship, Viking had actually bought every single uh, guest of the ship a lovely little um, piece of fudge, a big full on oh. thing of fudge. And they left it in the room. And that was a nice touch. Uh, the next day, um, I believe we were sailing to Perry Sound, Ontario, small town, um, mostly was great for the uh, Zodiac expedition every single day. So they go out and they scout an area for the Zodiacs to go and take you out on the water. That was awesome. Then we ended up in Fraser Bay, which is where we did the weather balloon launch. Uh, That was impeccable as well. Uh, And then there were a couple of, uh, there was Killarney, Ontario as well. Uh, When that, that's where I did the special operations boat. That's where I got to do the submarine dive. Uh, and then toward the latter part of the cruise, the Sioux locks that we went through, uh, that's kind of the linchpin between Lake Huron and Lake Superior. Interestingly, ocean bound vessels do sail that route right through from Duluth all the way through the locks down the St. Lawrence and out to the Atlantic. So that was cool. Uh, yeah, so it's almost like a, a little northern Panama Canal, as I'd like to call it. 7,000 <laughs> ships transition through those locks every single year. Um, wow. And then we ended up with uh, Silver Islet was a highlight of a port. Small port uh, with that was a mining community back in the 1800s. An impeccably, uh, impeccable community where a lot of the residents were descendants of original people that lived there. And it wow. was a small community. Apparently in the in the summer, it can go up to 500. But in the winter, it goes down to eight. So, yeah, that kind of place. And then we ended off in Thunder Bay, which is the largest westernmost city in the province of Ontario. Compared to Toronto, very, very small. Uh, It's kind of, think of it as a a big, small town rather than a a, a city. It's a big, small town. That's what I would call it. Uh, And we ended off there. And, uh, you know, I... I wish I loved the ports that cruises ended in and started from. I think they're exciting when you're leaving and it's sad when you're there and the, and the cruise ends. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was an impeccable um, few ports that I wouldn't have picked myself actually. And I'm really glad that we went. Brilliant. No, I love it. And I would say you're probably not a typical Viking demographic in that you're probably about half the age of a typical Viking traveler. But who would you say this would appeal to? Am, am I wrong? Is this a cruise that would appeal to, <laughs> to anybody and everybody? I was the youngest person on board, I think. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there was anybody younger than me. Um, now, who would this appeal to? That's a great question. This appealed... A lot of the guests that we spoke to on the ship, I'll be honest, 
were Viking, your classic Viking passenger, uh, a little bit more of the of the sea of the more um, experienced variety, is what I'll say. And mm-hmm. I, I think um, the the thing was, a lot of people worried about taking cruises to Europe at this time, and right. okay. yeah, they were rebooking their cruises so that they could be here and closer to home in case something happened. And that was a lot of the people on this ship. I think right. in time, their marketing will reflect a clientele that's more respectful of uh, the actual expedition part of the sh- of the yeah. cruise. And have I missed anything? Is there anything else you need to share about the ship and your experience? She's a great ship. If you can get on board her, do it. Polaris is coming out very, very soon. They have the option for two more vessels. And personally, I think this is the best class of ship I have ever sailed upon. So do your research, check out my video on YouTube about it. Uh, I, I'm sure um, Baz is going to pop that into the, the show notes there. But in case uh, you're wondering, it's Travel with Kabir on YouTube. And also you can find more at cruisedirectorkabir.com where I'll be posting links to this video as well. So if you can get a chance to take a, a better look at it, please do because it's really worth uh, a look. Absolutely. Always recommend that. It's a good little visual tour of the ship. We will most definitely be putting the link in the show notes there for you, Kabir. Um, as always, mate, an absolute pleasure. Um, always love catching up with you. And uh, if you're off back on the ocean anytime soon, we'd love to catch up and hear more about your travels. Absolutely. I hopefully will be very soon with more podcast episodes coming out very shortly as well. Oh, even better. Nice little surprise <laughs> there. Fantastic. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Speak to you soon. Thanks so much. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.